Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 60 or episode 9 of season 2 of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that investigates how to unlock your brand story to supercharge your business. I'm Amelia Ville, small business owner and storytelling superhero. I'm very excited as this week I have been recording live from We Are Podcast 2017 in Brisbane. This annual event is in its third year and the lineup is amazing. Included in the incredible smorgasbord of speakers is the sensational duo John Lee Dumas and Kate Erickson from Entrepreneurs on Fire, the podcast which ignited my very own foray into podcasting. So of course, I made it my mission to speak to them and get some value bombs to share. There is a host of other incredible guests speaking at this event and I managed to interview four of them to share some of their insights with you. In this episode, you'll hear from Sean D'Souza, host of The Three Month Vacation, Nicole Baldino from $100 MBA, Jordan Harbinger from the wildly popular podcast, The Art of Charm, as well as Kate Erickson from Entrepreneurs on Fire. In today's episode of Be The Drop, my guests cover the importance of providing skills, not information to your clients. We look at why podcasting attracts such inclusive communities, and I share my top hints and tips from the conference. This is Be The Drop, live from We Are Podcast. We're here with Sean D'Souza. Is that, did that's, I pronounce that's right. it properly? That's right. Great. At We Are Podcast. I absolutely loved your session today and I was just saying I'm going to find out more about what you do. Thank you. Um, but so you talked about a bit of ass, which was kind of made me chuckle. So, and I'll explain that. So you had, now let me just get this right. What was, what was in the ass? We had um, awareness or yeah, announcements. Announcements. Snippets. Yep. And then samples. Samples. Can you just give us a quick just run through for listeners about that? Right. So when you're promoting a product or whatever, there are two points. The first is the idea and the second is the event. That's the starting and the ending point. And usually people clump that too closely together. So they come up with an idea and then they try to promote it too close to the event. So the, the real pros, the professionals, the way they fill up stadiums and the way they do stuff is to go with long lead times. And the the others, that's all of us, uh, we think, okay, we're going to go on Facebook, we're going to put three posts and then everything's going to fill up a workshop or whatever. So the first thing you have to understand is that the the distance between the idea and the event is at the very least should be around two months. So it gives you breathing space, it gives the client breathing space. And then what we have is the first thing, which is announcements. And announcements need to be very terse, very simple. Just like a wedding, you go, I'm going to a wedding, we're going to get married. And there's no detail. Then the next one could be, uh, we're going to get married in the Cayman Islands. Um, then it would be, you know, I'm getting the dress at Jody's. 
the the point the reason why everyone from your family shows up is because of the lead time and then you move through you've got your snippets and the samples correct which people will need to come and jump on your site to find out more about but one thing that I really liked in, in when you were telling and presenting um, that information, and you just did it then as well, is you gave an example. You know, you shared a story that's very relatable, the wedding. Like, even if people have not been married, they know someone who's been married. Correct. Um, how important do you think that is when explaining a concept? It's abs- absolutely crucial. If I say, oh, here comes Monday, what does it mean? Is Monday good? Is Monday bad? I have to give an example of what that Monday means. Monday might be an absolutely stunning day for me. The biggest problem in marketing is not anything but risk. The only reason why we don't buy is because it's too risky. It's too expensive. It's, uh, I already have three of this. Calm me down, reduce the intimidation, and re- hence reduce the risk factor. So mm. I'm ready to buy into your idea. And you talked about being a teacher and your preference to be a teacher rather than be a preacher. And I've found, you know, through the years that, you know, the teachers that I've loved the most are ones that can give me those stories Correct. that are very relatable. And, and as you said, they take the risk, they take the intimidation out of that learning process. Yep. And then I feel comfortable and more open to learning. Yep. Is that something that you really incorporate in, in how you communicate? Yes. Um, so what people have is they have attraction, They talk about attraction, they talk about conversion, but nobody talks about consumption. The first stage of consumption is really intimidation. You offer that amazing meal to, like my my niece, Kara. You know, uh, Kara says no to everything, and I don't take no for an answer. So I'll just go, here you go. And because she knows me, the intimidation is reduced. So first you have to reduce the intimidation, but then I'm going to talk about how to do just one thing. So what people tend to do is they they try to be a non-GPS, and a GPS really takes you from point A to point B. The beauty of the GPS is not that it does that, but what it leaves out. There's intimidation. I have to get across a city that I don't know. I've never been to this country. The isolation is the reduction of that intimidation, and that leads to implementation, which is mm. and that's really what people want. They want to get to the other point. They don't really want the information. They don't want to know about the rest of the city. No. And, I, and exactly that comes back to that's what the good teacher does. It gives you the Correct. steps to get yep. there without being overwhelmed yep. by that process. Yep. The reason why people feel that they're not talented is because of overload. So if you look at someone and you say, can you draw a cartoon or can you, you know, do this dance step or can you cook? Usually the answer is no, I'm not talented. But essentially what they have not found is a talented teacher. And a talented teacher reduces that intimidation, reduces the error rate. And when you have that reduction, then, you know, if, I, if, you, if you draw a whale and you draw, you know, it wrong, I can fix just one part of the whale, not the entire whale, just maybe the body. Very specific. Very specific. Mm. Because that gives you confidence and the, the clarity, the reason why we don't succeed in any talent thing is because of several points. One is energy, the other is skill, the third is confidence. But mm. almost everyone fails because of confidence. Not because of skill, but because of confidence. If you learn Spanish tomorrow and you think that you're not very confident at speaking Spanish, that's what you say. I am learning Spanish. Even though you have the vocabulary to speak the language, you don't have confidence. I learned Spanish. 
<laughs> no, it's not, not good. No, it's, I can't even remember. <laughs> yeah, see, that's confidence speaking. Because I could continue now in Spanish. Hablo poco, Castellano. Sí, sí, pero uh, hablamos ahora o... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no comprendo. All right, well, thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate you letting me just grab you and, and get a few bits of insights from You're you. You're welcome. Thank yeah, you. There's, there's lots of psychotactics. Check it out. It's free. It's good. Psychotactics.com. And, you know, if you... There is a book on resistance. You can go and check that out. So psychotactics.com slash resistance. Mm. And is that internal resistance? Yes. It's, it's a lot of stuff is just in your head, which you already know, but... This is a good start. Great. Thanks so much, Sean. You're welcome. Well, I'm here with Nicole Baldino, and we've just listened to your um, session about podcast fundamentals. It was amazing. Thank you, Nicole. Now, one of the things I really loved was the preparation and the pre-preparation and how important that is. Um, Now, that was Mm pre-production. That was something that you talked a lot about. Yeah, no, thank you, and thanks for attending the session. Um, I definitely did spend a lot of time in the pre-production because I actually do think it's what contributes to, in the end, a much higher quality show. So we looked at everything from outlining, which means you can plan your, um, your episodes, you can script even elements of your episodes, and you know a really good production is clean and tight so I feel like the more you plan the, f- the better the end result is yeah and one of the things I really love when we were just talking about this is your pie chart <laughs> so you have a, which has got lots of colors which um, people who are familiar with my show know that I'm very much into color and vibrancy but I really liked you know you in one diagrammatic view you've really broken down part of that production yeah so the, that was a broadcast clock mm. um, and it yep colorful pie chart basically Basically breaking down an episode into different segments so the whole point is that if you create different segments of an episode it could be like your intro your teaser um, uh, your sponsor ad whatever it is you can decide what those segments are it just creates this higher level production quality to an episode and the other thing that I really liked that I took away from your session was you started with a different podcast so it was um People who know their shit. Yeah, that, right. That, that's true. Um, and you did what, about 45? 45 episodes. Yes. But then went, this isn't working, it's not true to our brand. Mm-hmm. And then it's uh, the $100 MBA, which is what, how many shows are there? Like, was it 900? Over, yeah, 900 episodes plus. Wow. Yeah. So, but that. You know, that decision to completely change it, like what would you say to people who, if it just doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. you know, making that decision to say no to your show and rebrand it and, and give it new life. It's your show at the end of the day. You can do whatever you want, you know what I mean? So if you start something that just doesn't feel good, you don't have to keep doing it. It's just like going to a restaurant it's like, I don't want to eat here because I don't like what's on the menu. You can leave and it's the same thing with your show. You, you, you have the freedom to start a new one and learn from you know the mistakes you made like we made the mistake of doing a show that wasn't true to our brand wasn't using it leveraging our skills we weren't great interviewers we were teachers from in a past life so teaching came more naturally so you know for us it was like okay this isn't going anywhere let's do a new one and you know you've got the excitement of a clean slate to start a, start afresh oh fantastic thank you so much nicole no, i really welcome, appreciate Amelia. it thank you The Art of Charm podcast helps listeners become better networkers, and I'm very excited to share some tips from its host, Jordan Harbinger. I was on the radio for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, though, that started after I started podcasting. So, what did I start podcasting? All right, I so start- you're podcasting before radio. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I started podcasting because I was already having the same conversations every single day. Yeah. And I was teaching people things. So I thought, why don't I record these? Maybe we can burn the audio. This is the most uncomfortable couch ever. Maybe we can burn the audio to CD and then hand out the CDs or something. So I was doing that for a while. That was inefficient, to say the least. So then my business partner came up with the idea that we should start a podcast, even though I had never heard of that. And he's like, you can upload the file, and then people can go on iTunes, and they can get it, or they can download it directly from the website. And I thought, mm. great. So we set up a website. Our first review was from Australia, actually. Great. Yeah, so some Good. early adopter in Australia, <laughs> you know, downloaded the show within weeks of us beginning it. It was like, this is the best show ever. Yeah. And I was like, what? People like this? I can't even believe anybody's listening to this. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah. That was a huge boost. Yeah. And, you might imagine. And so, yeah, I, it, it would be. And particularly in that, you know, in it's a new format. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not the same as now where, you know, there's so many of these recorded platforms and, and right. radio access content. But so you were having these same conversations and then you, you just go, okay, well, I'm going to centralize that. You know, is that how you think that it, is that really important? What most shows are, are two random people talking about things that nobody gives a crap about. And those are not popular shows. I don't want to hear about your inside jokes with your friend about baseball. There's no value. Mm. But if you're answering people's questions about specific topics that you yeah. know about through yeah. research and things like that and experience, then, yeah. then there's value there. And then people tell their friends about that, and there's value there for that niche. Yeah. And so then, then the biggest thing for me personally is what's the correlation between your business and your podcast? And how do you integrate the two? How does that work? So my business is the show. I just I only do the show. Hmm. We have live training programs and things like that in LA based on the show. I got advertisers from the show. Mm-hmm. I did. I created products based on the show, but I didn't have a business before the show. I was a Wall Street uh, lawyer yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And then I became a radio talk show host at the same time as I was doing my podcast. And so for you, you know it's become, you've built it into a business? Right. People started to say, hey, will you guys teach me in person? And I said, no, I'm not a coach. And they said, well, I'm really curious about learning nonverbal communication, persuasion, influence, which is what we were talking about and what we still talk about on the Art of Charm podcast. Mm. And I said, no, I'm not a coach. I don't want to teach this to you. Just listen to the show. And somebody finally said, look, I'll pay you two grand if you can Mm. talk to me for like an hour every week Mm. and give me some homework just like you do on the show. And I said, fine, I'll do that. So, and this was a wealthy banker. And he said, okay, um, first of all, you need to raise your prices. Second of all, this is super valuable after we've been talking for a while. Mm. And so he got me onto all of his staff and things like that. But I feel kind of like a fraud because I'm not really a coach. And a lot of our coaching clients were having great success. And I thought, well, okay, if, they're, if it's working for them, then it's fine. Then another guy said, I really want to learn from you in person. I said, oh, look, I already feel bad enough coaching people on the phone. They're getting good results. I don't know how I could do this in person. And this guy said, look, I've taken every program, every mm. seminar that I can find. The stuff I'm learning from you on the show is better than all that stuff. So you think you can't do it, but really you can. Because you're already doing it better than these people who are charging a lot of money. We created a real curriculum, hired consultants, learned how to coach properly, you know, instead of just winging it. <laughs> and then we turned our company, our little basement idea, into one of the most profitable coaching companies yeah. in the world. 
I would think. I would think. I assume at this time. That's great. Just yeah. own that. I yeah, I'll just good. own that. I yeah. mean, I don't know other companies' profits. No. It's interesting because what you're talking about, you know, you've gone through this massive case of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and this is over an 11-year journey. Right, right now, I mean, this is... We just truncated This that. is 26. I was 26 at the time. Now I'm 37. So yeah. now I have no problem coaching. I mean, our biggest clients are the U.S. military and government yeah. companies that you deal with every day, like Microsoft, Google, Apple, those places. It was starting small and starting humble and giving people things to do and then asking them flat out what the results were like. And if it wasn't working, changing it up. Because I think the problem is a lot of these people who call themselves coaches, they can't then admit that they don't know what they're doing mm. because they're charging for it and they don't want to look bad. So w the way that we started was, look, I'm a lawyer, but I will coach you on the side. I had no ego attachment to my way or the highway. Mm. The problem is there's so many thought leaders and sort of bullshitty life coaches out there that mm. they have to always be right or it screws with their brand. Yeah. And my brand at the Art of Charm is built around learning and being wrong and being okay with it and then yeah. changing your course and learning from people that are better than you. Mm. And that's, that's been healthy. But if you look at another brand, like some sort of self-help inspirational guru or some other kind of bullshitty thing like that, I hope I can say that on your yeah, show. Yeah, do it. The problem is then that they can never admit that they're wrong or they will mm. risk losing business. Whereas on my show, half of my brand is me admitting how I screwed something up and then the lesson is built around that. You have to be able to do that or you're going to end up like you know, just be amazing and everything is great and everything is awesome and groovy and here's me on Instagram on a beach. And it's just like, that's not really helping anyone. You're inspiring people for like five minutes, but really the value is, it's just not there. No. It's just, there's no, the emperor has no clothes with things like that. <laughs> you know, if I just go on and go, all right, everybody, this is gonna be amazing. We're talking with this person and they're so inspirational. So what? I can do that. You can do that. Anybody in this room can do that. The only thing that's unique is whatever experience you bring into it. So if you're just the guy who's interviewing some pop star from the 90s, your value is what? You're the one that had a microphone in front of them at that mm -hmm. time? I mean, who cares? Yeah. So if you can't bring in your own story and relate it to yourself or do a great job of relating it to other guests you've had on the show, other elements of your own life, how your audience can apply it to themselves, mm. then really it's just reality TV in podcast form, which I think is a waste of time. So what about with business though? Like, yeah. you know, you talked about some really big business clients. Mm -hmm. Do they, you know, are they okay with that telling of stories as well to, you know, help help people understand how the business works yeah and, and uh, yeah in the united states especially in silicon valley culture it's totally fine to do that if i went to microsoft i might deliver it slightly differently and i might say well there was one client who blah 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 this mm. da, 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 that but if i'm talking about the same thing to apple or google they love this whole like oh wow a personal example is so relatable mm. um and it's true Right, but it's a different culture than here in Australia, which I think might be a little bit more formal. Conservative. And conservative. Yeah. However, that doesn't mean it doesn't work no. in terms of generating rapport with people. It just means that it's not done as much. So you might make people a little bit uncomfortable, fine, but it doesn't mean that they won't know, like, trust, whatever, transact with mm. you. People are going, oh my God, I have that too. Mm. Nobody's ever said that. I've never heard anybody say that. That's what you're looking for. I'm not like, tell me why you're vulnerable now. Let's all share and sing in a circle. I don't care about that. I just want people to... <laughs> understand the concept that I'm delivering, right? I'm not there to get people to hold teddy bears and open up on their own stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not a therapist, right? I'm <laughs> so just I'm I'm a teacher. Not to laugh yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, and so you're obviously jaded about a few different groups. 
Yeah, I think because, you know, at first I ignored a lot of the fake self-help. It used to just be a waste of their time. Now it's actually harmful because now people who think, oh, this might be something that I can use or this might be something that's helpful for me in the long run and they buy a product or they go do training and then they realize it's all kind of just BS and then they lose hope, which mm. is problematic. It would be different if it was just like, oh, I got scammed out of a few hundred bucks, need to be more careful. Now you're talking about people who prey on people who feel lost in their life, don't like their job or career, are having relationship issues, grew up without role models. Like they knowingly do that thinking, screw it. This I'm just going to make great, money. I'm just going to make money because I'm owed this because my childhood sucked or whatever the hell rationale they use behind it. Mm. I make it a mission on my show, on The Art of Charm, to expose those people and take those people down and, and make sure that everybody knows who they are. Mm. And I also invite people to who might say, well, isn't your show like that? Just listen to whatever you want to listen to and apply the things that you learn on The Art of Charm. And if you don't like what you learn, the price you've paid is an hour, or half hour, or whatever of your time. It's funny, we, we're just... Sure, Yes. so. Yes, we're just And that's have... all for today oh. on Amelia Veal's podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much, yeah. Jordan. That yeah, was great. You're I'm here at We Are Podcast with Kate Erickson. Yay! This is very exciting. Um, so I just wanted to firstly have a little bit of a fan moment, Kate. <laughs> Blushing. Blushing. Well, because Entrepreneurs on Fire was really kind of where my podcasting journey started. And then in 2015, I met both you and John at some social media marketing world. Mm -hmm. And I'm a member of the pod podcasting paradise. Uh -huh. So I just would like to say thank you. The community that you provide around podcasting is incredible. So my question then is related to that you know when you guys first started this podcasting journey what was it that you decided to really build up this passionate and engaged community around it when we first started the podcast well, when John first started the podcast you know he didn't really know much about podcasting so he was figuring all this stuff out um, went on board with Cliff Ravenscraft and um, did some mentorship with him, hired a podcast coach. So John was really starting out not knowing anything about podcasting. So he launches the podcast and we build this incredible community we refer to as Fire Nation. And a lot of like maybe six months post-launch, a lot of our audience was reaching out and asking John how he had started this podcast. Mm. People wanted to learn literally from the very start before I even have a podcast, like what am I supposed to do? How do I come up with a topic? And what type of equipment do I need? And, and all these questions. And so we thought, what if we brought together, a, we had just launched a, a mastermind not too long before. And what we found from that mastermind was that people wanted that platform to connect with one another and that being around like-minded people was really what people wanted. And so we thought, what if we took this success that we've had with this mastermind, but we did it for podcasters? And that was really kind of like, so that, I mean, it took us a long time. I just described like a six or eight month period of like iterating and trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. But finally, when we did um, come out with the idea for Podcasters Paradise, um, I mean, I think we got almost 100 people through the door before we had ever created anything. You know, you would think that there could be, you know, competition felt like people are creating podcasts that may actually sit in the same niche or whatever. Mm -hmm. But instead, it's actually the opposite. It's like, oh, well, hey, this is what I learned. This is what I did. You know, learn from my failure or experience Absolutely. or whatever. And people are really open. Has yeah. that surprised you? The, the podcasting community is unlike any other that I've ever been a part of. It's really like a all ship rise in a high tide type of feeling like nobody's 
I don't feel like the competition thing, which I love because if we can do well and help other people do well, then everyone does well. Like, why would you not want that, you know? And I really feel that with podcasters. And so this is your first trip to Australia, is that right? (laughs) So just maybe, you know, what is your experience so far? One thing that's really blown me away here in Australia is that people are so amazing. Like, everyone has just been so incredible, really helpful, really welcoming. Um, And, you know, we don't always get that everywhere we go. (laughs) I'm very pleased to hear that. And I hope that the rest of your trip is is the same. Thank you. Do you have any advice around how to get the most out of your Mm. conference experience? You know, I think being open to doing like off the cuff things like we're doing right now, you know, we didn't like plan this or set a time to like be in a certain place at a certain time. At the same time, though, having a goal going into a conference, like what is it that you want to take away from this event? Um, And for me here at We Are Podcast is just meeting other podcasters and being able to like build relationships with people on, you know, the other side of the world, essentially. We don't really have the opportunity to meet a lot of our audience in Australia and New Zealand in this part. So um, that's really been my goal coming into We Are Podcast. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Before wrapping up today's episode, as promised, I'm going to also share with you my top three conference takeaways. The speaker lineup was amazing and they shared highly valuable knowledge and lessons learned from their personal experience. And among them, I noticed these three key things. Firstly, the importance of processes, systems and scheduling in order to drive winning results got many mentions. Various speakers, whom are all industry leaders, talked about how they rely on a range of structures to manage what they do. There was variation in how and what these were, but a consistency was the importance of implementing regular and reliable procedures to get the job done and do it well. Secondly, the high value and therefore the importance of building your email list was another very consistent and important thing. Different methods of lead building were presented, but the central importance of capturing emails to build your audience numbers and engagement was repeated by numerous different speakers. The third idea that really seemed like a central theme to me was that producing content, developing a podcast or running a business is a marathon, not a sprint. Hard work and determination was mentioned consistently in required to keep doing and doing and doing what it is that you want in order to succeed. On top of all the valuable business insights, I also met a fantastic group of people, both speakers and other conference attendees. I would definitely foster a number of these connections as another very important takeaway from We Are Podcast. If you'd like to gain more specific insights from what I learned from this conference, I'd love it if you reach out and email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. I'd be absolutely delighted to expand on the content from this episode. Until next time. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals 
and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. It is our mission to help unlock the power of story through this podcast and the range of products and services that we offer. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To get in touch with any specific comments, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. Until next time.